out of it, I probably only sell one. If it's in my brother, Good morning. Good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD. You're listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Wow, what a wild sports weekend. A lot going on. Of course, the NHL season completely underway. Now Caps lose uh, their first game to the Penguins on Friday. And uh, it really did start with the wild sports weekend on Friday night, late night, as Stanford comes from behind, shocking the world, to defeat Deion Sanders and Colorado after being down 29 nothing. Yeah, that's when I went to bed, 29 nothing. I'm sure most of you guys did as well, waking up early Saturday to seeing stunned that Stanford won that game. Really good college football all Saturday, including a big win at home for the Virginia Tech Hokies against Wake. Andy Bitter, who covers Virginia Tech, will join the show today at 2.30. I went out to the black and gold game, first chance at the Siegel Center to see the men's and women's 2023-24 VCU basketball team. Spoke with Ryan Odom after the game, and I have some thoughts on the game that I'll share with you later on on the show today for the black and gold report. But NFL Sunday, my biggest takeaway, no more undefeated teams left. The Dolphins from 72 can celebrate once again as San Francisco and Philly both get upset. And here we are today with a victory Monday as the Commanders held off the Atlanta Falcons 24-16. to Live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. They've got an incredible beer selection, uh, great burgers. I love the wings. Always a good time here at Cap Ale. And throughout the show today, we'll recap the college football action Saturday, Sunday's NFL, and get you set up for Monday Night Football as all of the fans of the Commanders are rooting for the Chargers to knock off the Dallas Cowboys and that would be the end of a perfect NFL weekend for me. The Commanders get a win, the Eagles lose, the Giants lose, and hopefully tonight the Cowboys will lose as well. And here on a Victory Monday, we like to start the show with the good, the bad, and the ugly of a Commanders win. I'm here at Capitol Ale House. We got Stubb from the production room. Stubb, hope you had a good weekend. Can I hear that Commanders theme song? Get me fired up. So let's start by looking back at the keys to victory. Now, I will say, most of the season, they have not completed the three keys. Even in games that they've won, they haven't completed all three keys, but this game was a full-on great game for the offense, the defense, and the special teams. Complimentary football, that's how you win in the NFL. You need all of your units to come together and play well, and that's exactly what they did. Key number one was get Terry McLaurin over 75 yards receiving. Remember I said, if you're going to win on the road, you need your ace to have a great game. Well, they targeted McLaurin often. In that first drive of the game, four touches, 11 targets throughout the game, had over 75 yards. So give me a ding for key number one for the commanders going over 75 yards for Terry McLaurin, right? Got to throw to your most talented player often to get the win on the road. That's a ding number one for the commanders. Number two. Number two was win the turnover battle. Win the turnover battle. Something they hadn't done in the last few weeks here. Now, I will say they should have won that Eagles game because Sam Howell had a clean sheet there, and that's why it was really close. Uh, Did not win the turnover battle against the Chicago Bears, uh, but won the turnover battle last night. Uh, a big game, Sam Howell with a really strong performance there. Impressive for a rookie on the road to have no interceptions, no fumbles. 
while as Desmond Ritter, his three interceptions made the difference in the game for sure. They won the turnover battle. Give me a, a ding to key number two. Key number three. This was a tough one because think about this, all right? I said you have to hold the Falcons as a team under 110 rushing yards. That's not just Bijan Robinson. That's Tyler Algier. That's Cordarell Patterson. That's Desmond Ritter who can certainly run as well. And thank goodness that Washington held them in check in the first half because they started breaking some runs in the fourth quarter. So the early stops did help them hold the team to under 110. They had 51 yards on 13 carries from Tyler Algier. Really impressive job slowing down Bijan Robinson, who we've seen can take over a game. 13 carries for 37 yards. And Ritter, 18 yards. So for, as a team, Atlanta had 106 yards, but the Commanders did hit all three keys, holding the Falcons to 110 yards, under 110 yards total. And that was a big part of them getting the win. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We start with the good. Offense scoring 17 points in the first half. That was impressive, right? You're on pace to score 34, and then special teams makes a game-changing play. Defense was getting some stops and helped push the lead to double digits. The first half was complete game for the Commanders. Complimentary football, good D, good O, and good special teams. Sam Howell has to be included in the in the good here. No turnovers, 14 for 23, 151 yards, three touchdowns. Now, of course, he did have five sacks. A few of those, those were coverage sacks, and... A few of them were also late in the fourth quarter where, hey, at least the clock's still running. That's better than an incompletion. But he still has not learned when to throw the ball away. There were several plays where, yeah, nobody's open, and he just kind of runs forward into trouble instead of saying, staying calm and composed in the backfield and just throwing it away. But here's why Sam Howell has to be included in the good. He now has 1,500 pass yards with 11 games left to play. He's projected to have... 4,250 yards if he complete, uh, keeps this up and stays healthy in 2023, which would be the most by a quarterback in Washington since Kirk Cousins did it in 2016. And I think most people would agree, watching Sam Howe, he looks like our most accurate quarterback since Kirk Cousins in 2016. It is Victory Monday, but didn't feel like that for much of the game. The bad was allowing Desmond Ritter to throw for 307 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Drake London made our secondary look like clowns. 125 yards receiving and two, including two Randy Moss-type catches where he jumped over the defender. He was impressive. Um, here's another part of the bad, right? So we, we mentioned this. The offense has improved. The 2022 Commanders offense, through six games at this point of the season, was only averaging 17 points per game. Well, now the offense is up to 22.5 points per game, right? But the defense last year was holding opponents to 22 points per game. Now through six games, 29.3 points per game. Uh, Atlanta was averaging 16.6. You held them at their average. So that's good for the commander's average, which dropped from 33 to 29. But the ugly, the fact that Washington was just 2 of 10 on third downs, that's not good enough. I, I always say you have to be close to 50% to win uh, in the NFL. Uh, third downs are the most important down in the sport. Atlanta was 5 of 15. They got most of those five in the first half, and it felt like at least – the first 15 plays of the game, right? Everyone talks about how coaches script the first 15 plays. They were able to get past the commanders easily in the first 15 plays. And then the defense did turn it on uh, with three turnovers there 
All of them in the second half. Kendall Fuller with a big pick where he jumps a route to start the third quarter. Benzman St. Just in the end zone, and then Jamin Davis to get the win. Uh, part of the ugly has to be the fact that the total yardage does not look good. 193 total yards for the Commanders, 402 for the Atlanta Falcons. And Atlanta also dominated time of possession. I mean, this could have been an ugly game if not for the three defensive interceptions. I've got to give credit to Kendall Fuller. I've been saying he looks slow, uh, but he looked faster than most of the other guys on Atlanta when he jumped that route and had an interception. If he had not fallen on the pick, he might have had a pick six. Got to credit Jamin Davis. And, and uh, of course, Benjamin St. Juice gets his first career interception. Uh, but, look, I look at this game, and I, I, I thought at times that they didn't put their – players in the right position to win this game. I was screaming at my TV, you can't have Jamin Davis on an important third down covering B. John Robinson. Know your personnel. They're going to throw to him. Well, they did throw to him. He did. He ran a sloppy slant route uh, going upfield, and Jamin Davis was able to undercut it and get the game-winning interception. It's a Victory Monday here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. How are you feeling after that game? I think most of you out here listening are probably feeling better about Sam Howell. Maybe not much better about your defense, but you got to be feeling better about your special teams. Big shout-out to Jamison Crowder. I'm giving him the game ball. Uh, I've interviewed him several times from his first stint here in Washington, and he's one of the nicest guys ever. Uh, he's a hard worker, and I think you can see that in the locker room. Uh, everybody respects him. He came in here as just a special teams guy, right? Well, they've used him. He had a couple catches in one game earlier this season, and then the game-changing play. Really, the commanders, I'm not sure they win that game if it wasn't for the major punt return inside the 10-yard line, setting Sam Howell up for his first touchdown pass of the game to Antonio Gibson. Phone lines are open. How are you feeling about that game? 833-804-0910. That's 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. How are you doing today? Happy Monday. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open. I want to hear from you, Commanders fans here in Richmond. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Washington gets a 24-16 win over the Atlanta Falcons. And got to give the defense credit. I mean, you look at the Falcons' last three possessions, interception, turnover on downs, just four plays when they got the ball back there, only got two yards, and then interception to end the game. If you're watching at home and you want to chime in, give me your thoughts. Now is your chance. 833-804-0910. Here's how I'm feeling after the game. Honestly, honestly, I feel like Atlanta lost that game more than Washington won it. I want to know if you guys agree. Because I also believe that Taylor Heineke wins that game if he was the starting quarterback for Atlanta. I mean, look, the three interceptions by Desmond Ritter were terrible, right? All of them were in the middle of good drives, right? You had the red zone interception being the worst of all of them. He just threw it up on third down, just threw it up. Uh, Drake London was not even turned around. Benjamin St. Juice gets an easy interception. He just also missed so many open receivers throughout this game, so many open receivers. So it kind of, I think, masked the fact that our secondary was still getting burnt. Like, there were receivers running open, 
Risman Ritter just wasn't hitting them. So I, I kind of think Taylor Heineke could have won that game for Atlanta, uh, but I'll give Sam Howell a lot of credit. You, you go up 17-7, you got all the momentum, um, and so he played a perfect first half. And then the second half, I'm going to give Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy some slack here because this is the first time all season they're playing with a lead in the second half. So they had to change the way they were going to call the plays here and change the schemes that they wanted to run. And because of that, we saw the offense stumble a little bit and give the ball right back to Atlanta with a couple of <coughs> three and outs. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Let's go to line one. We've got Trey in Richmond. You're on the fan with Adam Epstein. What's up, Trey? Hey, how's it going? Trey, hey, how are you feeling about that win, ago. man? Man, that man, that that win was was nice. It was nice to get a win, As, especially after you know past couple of weeks. Um, you know, tough losses and stuff. It was nice to um, have a win. Absolutely, got to be happy with the win. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway, offensively and defensively, for the Commanders? Um, well, I was going to say uh, the the Crowder, uh, Jamison Crowder, that run. Um, it looked like he towards the end of the run. It looked like he was uh, he was celebrating to uh, get that touchdown. A little, it basically looked like he had uh, had slowed down a little bit towards the end. But uh, other than that, you know, that was it was so nice that he was able to uh, put us in position to, to score right there. Um, I, I think uh, Kyle looks like slinging Sammy. You know what I'm saying? Even though I was not alive during that that point in time. Defense, uh, I'll say, you know, Young and the rest of the crew definitely look good. Yeah, no, it was a strong performance, and you hit it, right? Offense, defense, and special teams came together completely uh, for this win. I appreciate the call. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910. You said Sam Howell looked like slinging Sammy Howell, and it's just so nice to have a quarterback there where you feel like, he can hit any of the throws that an NFL quarterback should make, right? He had a nice throw up the sideline. He had a good bullet pass uh, up the middle. He's been really impressive in the screen game. And I, I think that's an underrated uh, part of what a quarterback has to do. Is you can't just say, oh, it's a screen. I'm going to drop back and immediately dump it off to the running back. No, you need to know that it's a screen, and that you have to kind of bait the offensive lineman. Need, ha, ha, you're not going to get me, you're not going to get me, and then you throw it when they're right in your face. And that's what he did on the Brian Robinson long touchdown run. How cool is it to watch Brian Robinson just run people over? I, I think most people would agree Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, had a better game than Bijan Robinson. And it was, it was Bijan Robinson's sloppy slant pass that lost the game for the Atlanta Falcons. So I thought it could have been an easy victory. Uh, maybe if you coach better uh, to start the or in that second part of that second quarter, right? You're up 17 uh, 7. You let the Falcons get right down the field and get a touchdown, and I'm screaming at my TV, get the offense back on the field. The offense is hot. I thought they could have scored 35 points on Atlanta yesterday. Got a little complacent. The play calls changed because uh, you're playing for the lead. But you know what? Look, you win a game where you went 2 for 10 on third downs, and you barely score in the second half. Uh, that's you got to take that as a, you know, look, we stole that game. It's a victory. Uh, we had games like that where we lost, so you got to feel good. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. 833-804-0910. Let's go to James in Glen Allen. James, you're on the fan with AWOD. What's up, bud? Hey, AWOD. What's going on? 
What's up, man? How are you feeling about the Commanders' win? Hey, so um, I was actually at the game. I uh, got back around midnight last night. Um, I, man, I agree with your, uh, your analysis. I mean, it was the first, the first three quarters, I, I, you know, I gave them a check. I gave, you know, Commanders did what they needed to do. I thought we played pretty well um, overall. I mean, there were definitely some passes that Brett or Miss that, yeah, that, you know, and I, and I also agree with you that I think Heineke would have won that game. Um, but yeah, but I would say, you know, I felt like particularly the first quarter, I thought, you know, the scripted plays, I thought, thought, I thought the defense played all right initially, but, um, you know, it was, uh, that fourth quarter was just, I mean, we could have easily put that game away and and we just didn't do anything. And so I was really disappointed with the fourth quarter. I thought we were really soft on defense. Um, and, you know, I mean, I was with some Atlanta friends, and I was like, hey, guys, don't give up. Because, I mean, even that last drive, I was like, you know, we could, we could easily lose this. But they just – they really – they lost the game. Uh, it was kind of like who was going to – it was a race to the bottom. And uh, they beat us there. So, but, you know, it's a win, so that's good. But um, – that last, particularly the last quarter, I think could have been a whole lot better. So that was yeah. tough this morning. I'm with you, man. And well, here's the thing I'll say though, right? You know, I'm hard on this team. You're hard on this team because obviously you care about this team enough to travel to Atlanta and go to the game. You know, but that's a road right. victory, right? And that's hard to do in the National Football League. And as bad as Atlanta has been, uh, you know, they have a lot of explosive players. They have some potential there. Uh, if Ritter hadn't had a bad game, I think they, the outcome might have been different. But uh, we need to celebrate no, it as agree. a road victory. That's the best part. No, no, definitely. Because, I mean, I don't, I don't think they had lost yet at home. So, right. Um, so that was good. Yeah, it was great to get the win. And I thought we played well for most of the game and then, you know, kind of didn't do anything in that last quarter. But I'll take it. Yeah, it is. It's a victory Monday and a chance to get two wins in a row against the lousy New York Giants uh, next weekend. Let's go go. back to the phone lines. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, The other James on the line here. You're on the fan with AWOD. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, I just want to give some praise to the defensive line. I think they did their job yesterday shutting down the run. And I also want to uh, shout out to Tuhill. I mean, he got his name called a couple of times yesterday. I thought that was big. The other thing I want to make, you know, I know this is an Eric the Enemy, uh, uh, you know, fan club here, but I think he needs to slow down. And, you know, I, to me, it seems like he's trying too hard. I think they need to close out that game yesterday. And I think they really need to get Brian Robinson north-south instead of these misdirections. Um, yeah. He's a north-south runner. He does better that way. When you do these handoffs that are misdirections, and now you're at second and ten, that does no no favors uh, for Hal. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I do James, appreciate the win. I, I, I want to – Hey, I want to answer one to both of your comments, all right, and get your take on it. So, number one, big shout-out to Casey Tuhill. Great point there. Uh, him showing up made a difference. I also thought Chase Young in a decent game. They weren't calling holding penalties. I mean, the guys were grabbing his neck there, grabbing his yep. shoulder pads. Uh, so, he could have had more of an impact. Uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, great play on the goal line there, right, to stop that run. Uh, big shout. Deron Payne literally had his finger pop out of the socket. If you remember that, that's why he fell on the ground. He got back up yep, and played yep. the fourth quarter. Uh, so he was just a monster. So great point there, giving the defense praise. I, I agree with you with, with Eric Bieniemy. I liked the play call. Uh, one of the 
final two drives, it was a play-action deep shot. And it was like the enemy said, hey, everyone think we're going to run here. Let's take a deep shot. Let's hit it, and, and we'll be able to run out the clock. But you're right. You know, that's not the point in the game where you should be taking a deep shot. They should have just handed it off. So I, I agree. Maybe he's overthinking things, and maybe he has so much respect for Sam Howell because he looks so good that he says, hey, I think my quarterback can handle these situations. Well, I've been wanting to call in ever since, like, the second or third game. They do these misdirections with uh, Brian Robinson, and it gets no gain, no gain or maybe a yard. And now yeah. you're in second down and long, and then you may pick up three or four yards, and then you're in third down. I mean, I, I think they need to get him more north-south. If you remember the third game, the scoring drive of the first second of the second half, he ran for like 15 yards and, 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 and scored a touchdown. Every time he gets north-south, he does a lot better than this misdirection. Yeah. No, it's a good point, man. Great call. I appreciate it. I, I'll say this about Eric Bieniemy. I love the, the play calling on the pass perspective. It's funny because he was a running back for a long time, I think his, his running plays are a little bit basic. And, and also, the offensive line's not doing a good enough job creating holes. But, yeah, it feels like he was calling runs just to do it, and they were going for one yard and putting us into some third and longs, and that's why the team was 2 of 10 on third down against the Falcons. Great calls, guys. Want to keep it rolling here? 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on Richmond's home for the Washington Commanders, the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open throughout the show, 833-804-0910. Broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. And here's why you should join me, because happy hour just got happier. From 3 p.m. to 6.30, you get $2 off draft beers, $3 off wine by the glass, $3 off liquor drinks, and $3 off... Uh, certain appetizers, including Bavarian pretzels, Belgian-style fries, loaded fries, and my favorite thing, five-piece wings, $3 off Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. Shout out to the listeners stopping by here at Capital Ale House. Uh, one of my fra- favorite listeners coming by today, we got D. Woods. If you're a Junkies fan, you know he's made an appearance on the Junks all the time. He's actually featured in JP's book. That's how you know he's a big-time celebrity. And speaking of 106.7 The Fan and the Junkies, joining me right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from Grant and Danny, it's Grant Polson. What's going on, GP? Adam, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. We're having a party here at Capital Ale celebrating this win. Uh, would you agree with Ron Rivera's quote after the game, it was an ugly road win? <laughs> oh, it was definitely ugly. But this team is not in a place where it needs to be pretty. Wins are wins, man. They all look like line drives in the box score, right? So (laughs) if you were the Bills last night, you could be disappointed that you allowed the the Giants to hang around and you barely beat them. If you're a team like Detroit or or Kansas City or one of these clubs that's, you know, five and one on the season, you can get cute and say, oh, we should have put that team away or we should have really pulled away late. For this team, winning is, is, good enough so you'll take it you'll move on you won't ask any questions absolutely and um so look second half starts and i'm worried the falcons are going to go right down the field and tie this game we get the kendall fuller interception two plays later uh brian robinson jr gets the touchdown on the screen pass there uh that was awesome right so a lot of people have called into my show already today saying well what the hell happened with the offense they disappeared late in the third quarter and the entire fourth what do you think 
Yeah, they were completely out of rhythm. They ran on the final four drives, which were all punts. They ran, I think it was 15 plays for 29 yards. And it was really gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, they couldn't run the ball. And Atlanta has a very good defense, and they were stout. And they knew that the enemy likes to run the ball heavily in the second half, and specifically with the lead. So I think they loaded the box, and they were able to stop the run and get Washington in some unoptimal down and distances when it was third and pretty obvious passing. And when you're able to do that, you can pin your ears back and, and get after Sam Howe, who again got sacked five times yesterday on pace for 20 more sacks than any quarterback in the history of the league in any one season. So I think what you saw was uh, the sacks put them in some bad down and distances, the inability to run, set up some second and third and manageables. They got behind the sticks. And then Howe, who was tremendous in the first half, and I thought good for the game overall, it wasn't quite as crisp on a couple of throws late in the game. And they just, they were out of sync. And when you're going on these two, three, four play, you know, drives essentially, and you're just not out on the field at all, and the, the time of possession is heavily tilted against you, it's hard to get it going, man. You know, offense is about feel and rhythm and really being in the flow. And then they never got it going in the second half at all. Absolutely. And look, it, it's, it's a victory Monday. We're all happy. We're celebrating. You're back to 500 now. Uh, but it's interesting because I'm the captain of the coach Eric Bieniemy fan base. Like I, I love this guy. I love the way he speaks. He's so much better than Ron Rivera. He's inspiring. I love a lot of his play designs. But I'll be honest with you, Grant. I feel like his run play design is just basic. It's like he's just running it to set up the next throw. It has not impressed me. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, I I think there's something to be said for he's a pass-happy coordinator. He's a guy that wants to throw the football. I, I don't know if I would call it basic. I mean, they do some jet action stuff with Curtis Samuel. They've got some powers, some inside-outside zone. I just think, you know, it, it, running the football is more of like a lifestyle, right? The teams that want to do it do it really well. The enemy, as you said, is kind of doing it to get back to throwing the football. Yeah. And, I think you can kind of see it. Also, they don't really have great running backs. I mean, I like the guys they have fine. Brian Robinson's a battering ram. Chris Rodriguez, who's a rookie, I thought ran the ball really hard yesterday. He's a sledgehammer. Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver in college who you know, still kind of looks like it at times. But it's not like they've got speed and, and you know wiggle and you know can get out on the edge and make people miss necessarily. So that's, if they major in that, they're not going to be very good. You know, Their best players are on the outside in the passing game. Grant Polson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. You can check out Grant and Danny after me from 3 to 6 p.m. And, Grant, defensively, you cannot keep giving up 400 yards totally uh, to the opposing team's offense. And, look, you, you won that game because you got the three turnovers, but what did you notice about why so many guys seem to be running wide open throughout the game? Well, a couple of things, right? Number one, I, I think that, defensively they've got an issue on the back end from both yeah. a health and just a personnel standpoint right now. I mean, at safety where I've, I've loved them coming into the year, Cam Curl played his butt off yesterday. He was awesome at four pass breakups. They moved him all over the place at 11 tackles, but he is someone they want to move around and have in the box and have be explosive against the run and physical and violent on the you know deep secondary at the safety position. Percy Butler is a second-year player who I think has struggled. Eric Forrest, who got hurt and is now out for a month, wasn't playing at the same level he was when he really broke out last year. They had a debuting second-round pick in Quan Martin. They've been trying to hide play seven snaps yesterday. 
So even though I thought on the outside Kendall Fuller was tremendous, may have had his best game of the season, you know, they, they still have some problems just from a sheer personnel standpoint. Their first-round pick, Emmanuel Forbes, was benched, didn't play at all, so they're playing an undrafted free agent who is kind of a roster long shot over the last couple of years at the start of camp, Danny Johnson, as a starter yesterday. So I think that's part of the problem. The other thing is you know, they're counting on their big boys getting home and creating havoc, and that's Sweat and, and – Payne and Allen and Young and collectively yesterday, you know, none of those guys had a sack. And if you look at it, only Chase Young had more than a couple of pressures. So I just think that they still need more plays made that really impact the game from those guys if they're going to have strong defensive performances or dominant defensive performances. But make no mistake about it, you know, that side of the football won them the game yesterday and, and made the plays when it was necessary, held the Falcons to 16 points, gave the offense some short fields. They did their part. Yeah, the secondary continues to struggle, though. I mean, you're right. It's an issue in the back end, giving up 125 yards to Drake Drake London. Uh, not happy about that. But you mentioned Emmanuel Forbes. Grant, I hate the fact that Washington gave Emmanuel Forbes zero snaps. I think that's total mismanagement, if you ask me. I get not starting him. I understand benching him. You couldn't use him for one play all game long when you're giving up 400 yards? That's going to destroy his confidence. Yeah, I was really surprised that they went that route, to be honest. I don't hate your take. Uh, I will say that based on all the comments after the game from Rivera and the rest of the staff, it seems like the plan was, barring an injury, to just let him be a spectator for a day. He almost would have probably deactivated him. And I wonder if they might have done that if Christian Holmes was healthy enough to have posted. He wasn't. He was one of their depth corners. He was also a second-year player where they drafted in the seventh round. Uh, but you know, in the case of the rookie, Emmanuel Forbes, I think they just wanted him to not have to worry about anything yesterday but watching, trying to take things in. They call it a reset, and I think they just wanted to give him a chance to get away from it, clear his head a little bit, watch the game, see what teams are doing, and you know, get that other perspective on, okay, what would you like that Danny Johnson did there? What didn't you like? And do it in a weekend where – you're not being torched, and you're not being beat. And my guess is he plays a bunch against the Giants next week. If he doesn't, I'll be surprised. And then I'll probably agree with your take that I, I don't like how they're doing it. Grant Paulson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Uh, Grant, you know the Junks do their howl eval every Monday after the game. How would you evaluate the quarterback? I mean, not the greatest statistics, does have three touchdown passes, though. No turnovers, that's that's my biggest highlight. Love that. You're not going to get a clean sheet every week from your QB. You blew an opportunity when he had no turnovers against Philly. So good to see them get the win with Sam Howell having zero turnovers. Yeah, I thought his first half was tremendous. I think it was arguably his best half of football. I think he may have been a hair better in the Eagles game just because of, you know, they, they had a better second half and they moved the ball up and down the field. But in terms of evaluating him play in, play out, this probably was his second best game of the season. You know, comparable maybe to the Denver effort, I would say. Uh, and, and it's weird to say that I think people will be surprised because they didn't do anything and really after halftime. But I thought by and large, and specifically in the first half, he was so sharp, so accurate, really decisive, threw to the right receiver with ball placement to allow him to make plays after the catch. No turnover-worthy plays, never hit the, put the ball in harm's way. You know, he's got three games this year where he doesn't have any turnover-worthy plays. So that's not just picks, but that's times where it could have or should have been intercepted. They're 3-0 in those games. I don't think that's a coincidence. So I felt good about him. 
in all the ways that I normally do. The problem is still that he takes sacks. And of the five yesterday, Pro Football Focus basically blamed him for four. I think you could realistically say three were on him at best. May have been four out of the five. Again, he's on pace for 96 sacks, Adam, and this, this will not work. Him and Daniel Jones are basically on the same pace until Jones didn't play yesterday because he's dealing with a neck injury. Like, that's yeah. not a coincidence. You, you can't get hit and sacked that much without having a pretty serious injury at quarterback. So this is why he went in the fifth round. Like, we wondered when we started watching him play with the arm strength and the accuracy and the mobility and all the tools, how is it possible that this guy didn't go in the top 100? Well, now we know. He's got a flaw that is fatal if it's not fixed. And hopefully he and this staff can fix it. And if they can, it looks like he'll be good enough to be a long-term quarterback in this league. And if they can't, he's probably not the guy. Because you can't get sacked at this rate and be a franchise QB. But like when he's not sacked, all the other stuff is so encouraging that it's hard not to be excited. Yeah, no, I totally agree. He's got to work on the sacks. But I'm less worried about him getting hurt because he's more of a beefier guy, and he ran for almost 900 yards his junior season at UNC. I think he can take the hits. What I'm more worried about is the offensive drives just completely stalling out because of sacks over and over again. Last thing, GP, you've been on this beat for a long time covering this team. Uh, one of my favorite interviews ever was Jamison Crowder at training camp about you know six or seven years ago, and so I just feel so happy for him. How happy were you for Jamison Crowder there? Oh, so cool to see. I mean, it's been seven years since he broke a punt return for a touchdown. Last guy to do it here. And since he left, you know, his last couple seasons were not even as effective as he probably would have liked as he battled injuries here. But that has been a, just a disastrous role. You know, that they can't get anything out of punt returners. The last three weeks, he's actually been really good. His last three returns have been for 14, 21, and now 61 yards. So, that was amazing. It was a game-changing moment. I thought it swung the whole momentum at him of the whole game. Set up the offense just outside of the 10-yard line. They scored two days later to take the lead and didn't look back. Very, very happy for him. You know what's crazy and also probably sad is that he, I think as of right now, has been their best offseason acquisition, and they signed him after <laughs> cutdown day, like the week of week one. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy, but I'm so happy for him. Uh, you think they could use him at all offensively? He's played a little bit, you know, late in the game when they had to run a bunch of receivers out against the Bears. He caught a couple passes or got a couple targets anyway. Um, yeah, I I don't want to take reps away. Like, I want to get Dehan Dotson involved. I want to get Terry McLaurin the football, I think. Uh, Curtis Samuel's been outstanding. You know, Deami Brown, who they drafted in the third round, is in his second season. You know, I'd rather throw the ball to those guys, find a way to get Cool Turner in the mix, than you know, feed the ball to a 30-year-old-plus Jamison Crowder. But I think the role right now for him as punt returner is working. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate the time, man. Good stuff. Yeah, you too, buddy. Be good. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are still open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. The Commanders got back to 500 with a 24-16 win over the Falcons. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. I'm broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. We've been spending a lot of time talking about the Commanders, their ugly road win, 24-16. But now it's time to go around the National Football League here 
with a little NFL hits. Every regular season matchup. There we go. Head coach on the hot seat. The hit stories in the NFL. NFL hits on A1 Radio. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's Mike Jones. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good here. So uh, we'll get back to the commanders in a second, but let's stay in the NFC East. Uh, I saw an article this morning. Jalen Hurts has regressed. I, I don't know if I agree with them, but uh, the Eagles have struggled in a few games this season, uh, including one against the Patriots, and then they took their first loss of the season yesterday. Okay, that's dramatic and overreactionary to say that Jalen Hurts has regressed. Um, you know, <laughs> two of those interceptions yesterday were not on him. Um, I also put that interception yesterday. Yes, he pulled the trigger, but that was a stupid play call. Um, you know, you've got the lead. Your defense had been lights out. Your offense was a little off going against a very good defense. Run the ball, punt that thing, make him go 90 yards with no timeouts um, to, uh, to win the game. That wasn't going to happen. Uh, but, you know, their offense, Jalen Hurts, the last three games had actually their, their passing game was actually um, starting to click. I mean, A.J. Brown has had, I think, four straight 100-yard games. Uh, to say that Jalen Hurts has regressed is just, yeah, a little, little reactionary. Um, yeah, well, that's from, that's from WIP, people, John Ritchie. So uh, I'm sure, you know, they're yeah. local guys overreacting after a loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and talking to people, because, you know, I did something last week about the red zone struggles, um, and, you know, his accuracy in the red zone isn't great. But a lot of people that I talked to, talent evaluators from other teams, said teams know how to play them better now. So they know what to take away and what uh, to do to make things more difficult to them. So now it's on him to adjust and adapt, um, and also on Nick Sirianni and offensive coordinator Brian Johnson to figure out, okay, how do we continue to stay ahead of the curve? And so I think that's part of what we're seeing right here. Again, um, he can't help that that ball went in and out of Dallas Goddard's hands and into Quentin Williams' hands. It can't help uh, that um, that, uh, Deon- that DeAndre Swift fumbled that ball right after catching it. Also, you know, uh, Devontae Smith dropped that ball. He said it. He said, I dropped the damn ball. That's what he said in the <laughs> locker room afterwards, you know. And so that could have also changed some things. Also, um, you know, the penalties were not his fault. Uh, and, and some of the penalties were on uh, special teams that gave the Jets really great field position. And so it was definitely a team loss all the way around. Um, I think that they're going to wind up being okay. But again, there's a reason why the Jets were viewed by people as Super Bowl contenders when they had Aaron Rodgers. It was because they do have talent on that team, especially on their defense. Mike Jones with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, national NFL writer for The Athletic. Read his work online, theathletic.com. Follow him on social media by Mike Jones. Uh, continuing here in the NFC East, uh, two-part question. Number one, do you know if Daniel Jones' neck injury is going to hold him out uh, next week against the Commanders? And then Giants as a whole, I mean, what the heck happened? This team was in the playoffs last year. Were they just lucky? Was that a fluke? Because they look like a shell of themselves this season. Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of it also is the fact that um, you didn't have Saquon Barkley uh, because, you know, he had been injured and he was really the security blanket for Daniel Jones. Um, You know, running the football and being very uh, judicious with the passing game was their recipe for success. Uh, I think they were hoping that Daniel Jones was going to take some leaps forward this year. He is not. Um, And, you know, that's 
kind of why they're in this position. They paid the wrong guy. They gave him a long-term deal and then just franchise tag Saquon Barkley when Saquon Barkley was the big reason why they had so much success last year. Um, will he be ready for the commanders? Uh, I still think it's kind of early in the week uh, to find out, uh, to know. We'll, we'll, you know, should hear from them, you know, within the coming days. Probably might not know until like Friday um, if they'll happen. So commanders get the win. Eagles lose, Giants lose. Of course, I'll be rooting for the Chargers. Uh, what's your preview of tonight's game? Dallas three and two, uh, Chargers two and two, and I, I think you could argue the Chargers uh, could have won uh, a few of the games they lost if it wasn't for coaching. I, I don't like the decisions that Brandon Staley has, has made. I mean, uh, they've lost two games by a combined five points, so you could say that they could be undefeated. Should be a good matchup tonight. You know, it should definitely be a good matchup. And, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the chess match. What we're going to see, uh, Kellen Moore um, and Dan Quinn basically going head-to-head, the former offensive coordinator of the 49ers, I mean, of the Cowboys, um, going against um, against uh, the, the defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. They obviously know each other well, but Dan Quinn, you know, uh, isn't as quite familiar with the personnel uh, of the Chargers the way that Kellen Moore is of the Cowboys. Uh, because, you know, he went against those guys every single day. So we'll see, um, you know, and what does Mike McCarthy do to, um, you know, put Dak Prescott in position to succeed? There's a lot of heat on Dak Prescott, but I, I really think that a lot of it has to do with play calling. Um, I asked around a lot of people, hey, what's happened to Dak? And these are the same guys who had told me, you know, the last several years, no, Dak is underrated. Um, he is underappreciated. He's very solid. They look at him now and they think, man, he's definitely taken some steps backwards. And what a couple of people pointed out is they think that he misses Kellen Moore. That guy had been in his ear his whole career. First, this is backup, and then this is, uh, um, you know, um, as an assistant coach. Um, and now he's gone. And so Mike McCarthy's got to figure out how to help Dak get comfortable, not put too much on him, but position him for success. And so, you know, they have a tough challenge tonight. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see. A lot of points put up on the board uh, from the Chargers because Kellen Moore is really going to want to stick it uh, to Mike McCarthy for basically making him the scapegoat, the reason why they didn't uh, you know, go further in the playoffs. Mike Jones with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline with some really good NFL games uh, on Sunday, including the early one in London with the Ravens uh, beating the Titans. Every week on Monday, I give out my winners and losers of the week. Uh, Mike, I'd like to hear who you think is a winner and a loser of the week, in, in, including uh, teams here uh, in terms of teams. I'd say for me, the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, they were lifeless uh, 14 days ago. Now they've gotten a couple week uh, wins in a row. Joe Burrow uh, is looking uh, like he's getting healthier. And my loser of the week is the Saints. I, I can't believe they blew that game. I guess Houston's playing well this year with C.J. Stroud. But uh, I thought that the Saints really should have won that game. Yeah, you know, I expected more out of the Saints this year for sure. Um, I thought Derek Carr was going to be a really good fit. Uh, but they haven't gotten very much from Michael Thomas. You know, he was out with injury last several years. They thought that maybe he would be back, you know, and they've got a really good defense. But, um, you know, I've got to take my hats off to Bobby Slowick. Used to be, you know, the um, you <laughs> yep. know, defensive quality control guy here in Washington when his dad was the linebackers coach. And I remember, you know, linebackers kind of joking and making fun of this little kid trying to show him how to, you know, do pass rushing drills. And now here <laughs> he is, uh, you know, dialing up plays and really making C.J. Stroud look like, 
uh, the best quarterback from this past year's draft. So I will give the Houston Texans be my winners. Uh, they've won three out of the last four. C.J. Stroud, he had gone the first five weeks without throwing an interception, did throw an interception this week, but shrugged it off and was able to bounce back and play well. Um, losers, mm, let's see. I think I'm going to go with Bill Belichick, big fat loser, losing to uh, Josh McDaniels and Brian Hoyer. Um, you know, just they're a disaster. It, it's amazing. Uh, but when you ask people around the league what's up with them, they say, look at the roster, look at the talent. There's not a lot of, you know, overwhelming, uh, impressive team speed. They don't have playmakers. Uh, they just really don't have a lot to work with. And that goes back to Bill Belichick, who is the guy who signs off and, you know, has final say on all the personnel. So um, they're, they'll be my loser for the week, Patriots and Bill Belichick. I- yeah, I like that. Now one in five, and and I don't know if he makes it through the entire season. There's been some rumors about that. Uh, but the question we've been debating here locally: if Belichick is available, should Josh Harris reach out to him next season to take charge of Washington? Um, I don't know. Does he have that fire that he still needs to? I wouldn't give him personnel say, um, for that's mm. for sure. Um, but you know, I I don't know I, if you. If you go a different direction, I think you should consider Eric Bieniemy because he definitely has given this offense a boost. But look, look for a young, fresh approach, not a retread. I'm so tired of the retreads. Um, even if it is Bill yeah. Belichick, you know yeah, that that magic. I think it, you know we might have seen the end of it. Uh, you know when when Tom Brady left. <laughs> Mike, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Have a good one. Yep, that's Mike Jones. Read his work online for The Athletic and on social media at By Mike Jones. I'm Adam Epstein at AWOD Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.